turn back to that passage. That's what we're um, we are looking at this morning. I will be using uh, the King uh, New King James Bible, which is uh, generally what I use. Um, I've entitled the sermon today, The Only Truth, The Only Truth, and that's the Word of God. Jesus, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He tells us that in John 14, and, uh, and that's what Jesus is. That's the only place that you can look for the truth. Um, the, 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 the phrase, uh, fake news, is, uh, is quite a term, though I think people are getting a bit fed up with it now, of course, and I'm, I'm not surprised because it keeps coming up all the while. But there is fake news everywhere. There is false news. I can remember uh, when I first started work, I was about 15, and I used to talk and say something, oh, look, I see it's such and such is in the paper today, and I remember talking to this guy, and, uh, and he said to me, never believe what they tell you in the papers. He said, when I look at the paper, he said, there's only one thing I trust in the paper, and that's the date. And he said, I look at that twice as well to make sure. And, uh, and so often there is information in the paper there, and it's wrong. Uh, and they always have their own slant, the same as the news that we get in, uh, on the television. They don't tell you all the news, and they only tell you what they want you to hear, basically. Occasionally, we get something which is a surprise, and, uh, and you learn, I learn more about what's going on in the world by reading missionaries' prayer diaries and magazines. You find out what's going on in the world. And uh, I, I didn't realise that uh, we heard uh, about problems in Venezuela, that's South America, the northern part of South America, and there are loads of people that are marching up to, uh, uh, to get into the United States of America. They're, we've seen it reported, I haven't heard much about it lately, but they were going to hit this brick wall of, of uh, Trump's fence uh, when they got there. But did you know and I only found this out reading, uh, I think it was uh, um, either EMF or Grace Baptist, somebody like that, this just a couple of days ago, that there are half a million of these people from uh, Venezuela are refugees in Peru. There's real trouble in Venezuela. And this church were looking after just eight of them because they were Christians. And, and you know, you, there's all these things going on in the world and we're totally ignorant of them. And uh, the BBC, as I say, uh, they're pro, there are, there are certain things they're pro. They're really pro-evolution. And, uh, and, and I came out of hospital, I wasn't in, I just had an MRI scan on Friday. And I got back to my car and uh, Jeremy Vine program was on. And there was a woman there who was a, a humanist and... Uh, and she, uh, she said, well, I can, I can give some credence or words to that effect that there is a God. And, uh, and she, you know, because the question was, science has more or less done away with religion. And she argued against that. But she is a, a convicted uh, follower of evolution and uh, the Big Bang Theory. We know how these things. And, and the boasting and bragging was quite terrifying, really, because you think, well, God's judgment... And we'll see something of that today when people set themselves up in such arrogance. But unlike most, uh, <clears throat> I didn't hear all of it, but unlike most of the Jeremy Vine things, there's a phone in or you can 
send in an email or a Twitter or something like that to express your opinion. Well, there was no chance of that. They didn't give anybody a chance of that. That's it as far as they're concerned. They're not going to have somebody that goes along there and says, well, one of the things she said, well, people don't believe in hell today. And I was thinking, I'm sorry, hell's a real place. And given the opportunity, I'd ring in and tell them so, as well as a few other things. But it's false news. That's what they're presenting as fact, friends, that there is no God. And they don't make question about uh, all of the other things that are going, why are these things going in the world? Why have we got a conscience? They don't mention those things. And that's why I start this new year, that there is only one truth. There's a lot of information that people are going to throw at us, and they do, and it to try and challenge us. It's satanic in origin. Where does it come from? It goes, it is from Satan. He is, a, as Jesus said, he is a murderer from the beginning and he is a liar and a deceiver. He deceives himself because he thinks he should be God. He should be God. And he couldn't hide that from God because God is God. He knows everybody. He couldn't hide it. And he's been cast out of heaven. Though we know by reading the Bible, he has to go and report to God what he's doing. And God allows him to do certain things. And we read all of that in the Bible. <clears throat> and this morning we're looking here again uh, at, uh, in the time of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, just to remind you, I, I think I preached uh, one of my more recent sermons here at the end of last year on Jeremiah. And uh, uh, Jeremiah was a man called as a teenager to be a prophet he reluctantly uh, uh, had to be you know he didn't want to do it but the Lord said you're gonna do it and he did do it and he served through five kings the first king he had was a good king Josiah and then three of his sons became kings they were uh, wicked unbelievers and uh, and one of his grandsons as well and uh, but they they didn't fully fo follow the Lord they worshipped idols and uh, did all manner of terrible things and uh, you can read a lot about it in the book of Kings and Chronicles as well as in the book of Jeremiah and uh, and God uh, the reason of this chapter 29 where God writes a letter to his people who were exiled in Babylon is to show you and we'll look at this as our first point this morning that uh, he is in control of all things uh, we'll look as well why, uh, why he wrote this letter. And, um, and the first thing that we need to see in this passage, um, that he is in absolute control because he knows what's going on. If we were to have read chapter 28, we find that they're back, not in Babylon, but back in Jerusalem and in the land of Judea, there were false prophets. And one of them was called Hananiah. And a part of the, uh, uh, the visual prophecy of Jeremiah that he had a wooden yoke around his neck to, slow, to, to demonstrate that they were, the, the, the people of Judah, the Jews, were, you know, going to be slaves to the Babylonians. And it was, it was there as a warning. And we find that this Hananiah took that off and, uh, and said, no, I, the word of the Lord is this, that we will be free from this in, uh, uh, under the uh, 
Babylonian Empire. And, uh, and he was telling a lie. And he was doing it in the Lord's name. And we find that God speaks to Jeremiah and says, you're going to put a steel or an iron one round your neck now. And I'll show you that it's even worse. And people want to believe falseness. But God is in control. So he writes this letter to the people in, uh, who are in exile in Babylon. They're there. You can imagine it. You've just been taken from your land because what happened was uh, King Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city of Jew Jerusalem and broke into it and he went in there and he took out, as it, we've read in this passage in chapter 2, he took out the king, which was Jeconiah. Uh, if you looked in there, just to tell you this, if you, look, if you had an NIV, it would say Jehoiakim. Or if you uh, look in the end of uh, the book of Chronicles, <coughs> 2 Chronicles and 1 Kings 24, you will find it is called Jehoiakim there. But very often these kings had two names. And, and uh, Jeremiah calls him Jeconiah. And, um, and in his time, he is taken. His mother is taken, the queen mother. And, uh, and the craftsmen. The metal workers we were, we were hearing about and, and uh, they were taken into Babylon and they could use them for good purpose. Uh, and all these people were taken there. And God says to them, you know, they, uh, that I've sent you there. I've sent you there. I'm in control of this. This is not out of control. Um, sometimes we think we get all sorts of manner of problems, don't we? And uh, we think, why is this happening to me? Well, God's in control, friends. He allows things to happen to us. It tests our faith it, and, and it brings us, you know, into uh, a, a stronger relationship with the Lord. I was reading again in the book of Exodus this morning of uh, God calling Moses, another reluctant man, wasn't he, at the, at the burning bush, and, uh, and God said, look, I'm going to bring uh, the children of Israel out from under the power and slavery, slavery of Egypt. And he goes in there and, uh, and he says to uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And then the next thing that we know is that um, uh, when he goes in there, that Pharaoh changes the working standards and make them harder for the Lord's people, the children of Israel. He said, I'm not giving you straw. You'll have to go and get straw. So the bricks didn't get made. And so then they moan at Moses. And Moses said, Lord, what are you doing? And it, and it makes us think, doesn't it? It tests our faith. And, uh, and these people here who have been exiled, uh, what does he, he say to them? God has said, I'm in control. Oh, by the way, he has already told them this uh, in... Um, uh, Isaiah 39 we find that uh, when King Hezekiah now this is well over a hundred years before this time and uh, he says to them in verses 5 and 6 then Isaiah said to Hezekiah hear the word of the Lord of hosts behold the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated unto this day shall be carried to Babylon Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget. 
and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And that's exactly what happened. This is not the end of the story because uh, there's another few seven years, I believe, goes on before that final judgment comes. That shows you that God is in control of all things. And as you read through the Bible, you'll see that. All the prophecies that have come to pass. I'm no doubt at Christmas time, you heard about where, you know, all the prophecies about the coming of Christ, where he's going to be born, born of a virgin. The type of person he is. You can read about his death. Uh, all of those things. And what tribe, what uh, family. All of those things have come to pass. And God is telling them here, to these people. Settle down in the country. Build houses. Get roots into the land. And, uh, you know, this is special for them. Uh, um, because... You know, he's telling them to, you know, have families there. Just live in the country as you would. They, they may feel themselves, well, they're exiled, they're, they're captives. They're not refugees uh, like we're seeing so many refugees today. But they are captives in this land. And, uh, and, and that goes against their pride, all of those things. To, to be taken away from their land and planted somewhere else. Well, God's telling them, settle down. Accept what has happened to you is from me. I've got you there. And uh, he tells them, as I say, get your sons to get married. Have families, your daughters, get them married. And, uh, you know, amongst the, obviously that would be amongst the Jews. And it says, live peacefully amongst the people. Uh, and I think that's quite a, a, a great verse. Verse 7, he says, And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for it is it, it, in its peace. You will have peace. Um, that's an important thing, isn't it? That's what he was praying they are a nation that are being put there. These are a people that are being sent away into this captivity. And God is saying to them, settle down there, but be live amongst the people, not to aggravate them and stir them up, no, but to uh, live peaceably amongst them. Pray for them. This is what he was telling them to do. Now, we, we wouldn't be in... in, in in their situation unless somebody invaded us and then sent us to another country somewhere else and, uh, and we find ourselves having to take roots in that country. That is happening to people. Syrian Christians have, have, have fled for their lives and, uh, and, you know, they've gone to other parts of the world and, uh, and in Iraq as well the Christians are leaving the country uh, because... Uh, they're not welcome there anymore. Their lives are under threat. And other parts of the world, in, in Myanmar or Burma as it used to be known, the Kachins and the Chin people are very, by and large believers, Christian believers. They're despised for the fact that, of their tribe, but they also despise because they're Christians in a Buddhist country. Uh, and they are driven out. And they, they, you know, they seek to doubt, you know, Put down roots somewhere and to live and pray for their land under the most extraneous circumstances. And, uh, and we should remember them in prayer, shouldn't we, these people?
that we're hearing about. Um, <coughs> these refugees that have gone to Peru. Um, you know, we should be praying for the church in Peru uh, that this will be an opportunity. I'm sure it will be in God's goodness and plan that these people would come to hear the good news. Now, this, in a sense, is not directed at us, is it? But we can learn from it that as Christians, we need to live in this society that we are. We should be praying for the peace of our nation. At the moment, it's quite disturbing. Um, uh, put aside the, the arguments about Brexit. Look at the, the murders that there are on the streets. And not even on the streets, they're on trains. There are all manner of things happening in our land today. And, uh, and we should be earnestly in prayer in the situations that we are. We should live lives which honour Christ in what we're doing and, uh, and reaching out to, to the lost. This is what he's telling them. If you live in peace with your people, if you live to me, then, you know, you'll be accepted. And there were those that did. Daniel, for once, uh, for instance. And Daniel, in actual fact, had been there a bit longer than these who had gone in this time here at Jeconiah. And uh, uh, he and his uh, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they're better known as that, they served the Lord, didn't they? They served the Lord. And by serving the Lord, they served their nation. And Daniel became the senior civil servant of that nation, an advisor to Nebuchadnezzar. He understood the word of God. He believed this passage. He knew what was prophesied in Isaiah. So he knew why he was there, because of the sin of the nation. But he put his roots down there, and he was a witness. And Nebuchadnezzar, this great king, in God's time, he became a believer. He trusted in the Lord. When we look at these bits of string on there, uh, his life has now gone in this world, but he is now an everlasting life with God because of the witness of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God speaking to this man. So there were those that took root. Of course, there was Ezekiel the prophet as well. Let's not forget him. And, uh, and so God is in control. That's what we need to remember. God had planned this out. And... Uh, the next uh, thing that we're looking at is how he, he said that do these things and ignore the false prophets. He goes on to tell us about these false prophets. We've already mentioned them back in, in, from chapter 28. This man Hananiah and there were others who were telling lies in the Lord's name. And, uh, and he says in sorry, verse 8 it says, uh, for thus says the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel. He states out who he is. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For the prophesy, they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. They were telling them, you know, in three years. The end of the exile, the people will be brought back to Jerusalem, back to Judah. It'll all be over. And God is saying, as we've seen already, I'm in control. I have uh, told you this was going to happen. Set your roots down in that country. Live as godly people in it. But ignore the false prophets. Don't listen to them. 
As I say, there is only one truth, and that's God's truth. And there are plenty of people around the world, in whatever religion, or whatever science, or whatever it is, who will tell you lies. Sadly, you know, how can you trust a politician these days? You don't know whether they're telling you the truth or not. It's a sad state that we are in, in our land today. Once upon a time, an Englishman's word was his bond. That's gone out the window now, hasn't it? It's a terrible thing. And here we are, uh, these false prophets in those days who were telling these lies. Imagine if somebody comes along and you were one of these people and say, you're, you're going to be out of here in, a, in, a, in three years' time. The Lord's told me that. And, and there are those that are having these dreams and fantasies about these things. Well, you're not going to settle down in the land. You're going to be waiting to go out. You're going to be going out telling the Babylonians and saying, oh, it's working for you. God's going to bring us out of here in three years. No peace. They're going to be resented. They're going to be hated. They're going to have an uncomfortable time. And false witness and prophecy, particularly in the church, and there is plenty of it around in the, in the church of Christ. There always has been. Right from the beginning, that's why we got in the, in the New Testament all these different epistles. Uh, because Paul and John and Peter were dealing with heresies and, and, uh, uh, that were creeping into the church. False teaching. And we've got to be very careful about these things. There are those now who do deny that there is a hell or even a creation uh, in six days or even seven days because I always believed that the Lord's Day was a creation as well wasn't it so we can enjoy uh, a seventh day where we can uh, come into the presence of our God and we meet together as we do today but uh, people deny those things there are those who are preaching a prosperity gospel um, and I think I've told you in the past I have met somebody and when I tried to tell, uh, speak to them about the Lord they didn't want to know I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk about those things I'm here just to give out the leaflets and Dave Hardin a former member of our church and a full time worker he was pastor of a church he recently was in South Africa and uh, he did I think it was uh, five separate seminars and, uh, and he was preaching uh, doctrine from the word uh, Christ-centered doctrine, and uh, and it said in in the, the their prayer bulletin about this that there are so many churches in South Africa nowadays who are putting healing as a major part. People are saying are worshiping the healing that they believe that's going on there, and that Christ dying on the cross and the resurrection is nothing to them anymore, and yet they're the most important things. The centrality of Christ is gone. So he's out there. Well, I think there was another man, another brother in Christ who were preaching the word and bringing them back to the, to the true doctrines of justification and, and Christ central to all things. There is so much that we can uh, hear uh, and uh, draw us away from Christ being in the center of our lives and of our churches. And, uh, you know, as it, just as it was then, there are always people who want to give you an easier way out, or it seems an easier way out, and there isn't. There isn't at all. There is only one truth, and that's God's truth. And the end for these people, and this is what the Lord tells them 
is going to happen here in chapter, in verse 15, he goes on to say this. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, that would be Zedekiah, concerning all the people who dwell in this city and concerning your brethren who have not gone out with you into captivity. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them sword, the famine, and the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten. They are so bad. We find here that God's judgment is coming upon these people. There is a day of judgment for them, which 2 Kings 24 will tell you about the finality, and of course you'll find that as well if you read on in Jeremiah as well, about the, the, when the judgment actually comes upon Jerusalem. There is a day of judgment. There are days of judgment that are going on around us all the while, and uh, <clears throat> not least that we're being given over to our sins in our land today. Um, if we read uh, chapters 1 of, of Romans, it tells us that God in his judgment will give us over to our sins, homosexuality, all of that sort of thing. It's there in the scriptures. It's a judgment against us. And there was this awful judgment against this land. They would be like rotten figs. And I've, I've seen ripe figs fall to the ground. It's like dog poo when you see it on the ground. Believe you me, it's horrible. And you wouldn't want to eat it. That's how terrible it is. They would have understood that. And, and there are other things he goes on to say to them. There, there was very little mercy shown to these people. There was a day of judgment. And when people who are telling us lies, whether it's secular about evolution, that there is no hell, that there is no God, or even in the church where they bring in other doctrines that bring people away from the centrality of Christ, they are lying and they're taking us away from the only truth and friends, the end product is a church that will die and people who are going to hell. That's the reality. And that's why it's important that right from the beginning of the year, we believe and continue to believe in the word of God as the only truth. There are two individuals that are named here as well. See, God knows everybody. There are two individuals named here who were prophets. Um, there was Ahab. And Zedekiah. And, you know, their lives weren't consistent with the gospel because they were adulterers and they were, uh, you know, were caught out and they were roasted in the fire by uh, Nebuchadnezzar because they were stirring up so much problems uh, and people were un living at unrest because they were listening to what they were saying. As I was saying, they would rebel against the Babylonians. We're going out of here. These men have told us that. And we find that their lives are exposed. And Nebuchadnezzar takes them and brings them into judgment and roasts them in the fire. A terrible thing. There is a hell, friends. That's the reality of it. But, you know, we're going to close on a good point because... Uh, in verse 10, it says this, For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and come 
and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, or it plans, it thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search me for me with all your heart. He said, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. You see, that was such an important message to these people because the promised Christ would be born in the promised land of Israel. And of course, uh, later on it was revealed, or if not actually it was revealed before then, the place of where he's birthed by Micah the prophet in Bethlehem of the family of David. This would be uh, a great concern. And, uh, and so therefore, here's this encouragement, you're going back. My word is truth. And we know that to be so, don't we? We look back and we know that they went back and we know that the temple was rebuilt and, uh, and that Christ came just as the word of God said. But this was an encouragement to them and, uh, and to seek your face. If you was to read Daniel chapter 9, and he was then, he, he lived all the way through those 70 years in exile in Babylon. And, uh, and by the time the Persians had come and taken over, that he knew the 70 years were over. And he actually takes this verse back to God in his prayers. You know, he said, it's time to pray. And he earnestly prayed and fasted before the Lord, saying, those days have ended. Now bring your people back to the land, because the Messiah must come. You're the God of your word. He's teaching us to pray, friends. We need to take up the word of God. We've got encouragements here. When we pray, when we call upon the name of the Lord and seek him, he listens. He, he, he loves us that much. He's concerned for us. And we can bring our prayers before God. And if you don't know the Lord yourself here this morning, I, I know many of you have loved and trusted Christ, but some of you, I don't know, maybe you haven't. But, you know, you, if you seek the Lord, he'll find you. You'll, you'll know him if you open up your hearts, as we were saying to the children, that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's trusting. It's confessing your sins and realizing that you can't control your life. And you just need to give your life into the hands of Jesus who died on the cross taking the punishment for your sins. But remember, he's risen from the dead. So there is everlasting life. And it's trusting in the Lord Jesus. But we who already know the Lord, hold fast to the word of God. There is only one truth, and it's this book, the Bible. It tells us of our creation. It tells us, tells us of our dreadful fall and why we have the nature that we have today. But it gives us a hope in Jesus. And the Old Testament is full of that hope in his coming. And we know because we have the New Testament that he came and that he's done the work, but he's coming again. And we need to be prepared for that day. Trust 
his word. That's the message from this. And live lives which glorify our saviour. And that we might be instruments as individuals as well as a church in shining this light of the gospel out to needy souls around about us. Let's pray uh, earnestly that we would be those that would have opportunities to share Christ with other people throughout this year as a church and as individuals and that we might see God's kingdom being extended in this place. Well, may the Lord help us to do that and trust in God alone. Amen.